0: Well, as you can tell, our passage today is not an easy one. As Stephen and I discussed the liturgy and order of worship, we concluded that a good closing hymn this morning would be, Jesus Strong and Kind, and that is because we need to be reminded of both Jesus' strength and his kindness after this sermon. It is a convicting one. It has been for me this week as i prepared. Jesus' teaching in Matthew 7 is not kind. In fact, it is harsh. These are not easy words to hear or to preach, but we need to hear them because he has put them in his word. As our study of the Sermon on the Mount continues this morning, now to chapter 7, I remind us all that Jesus is providing here the essence of his kingdom, uh, the constitution of what his kingdom is about and what his followers are to do and to be. Uh, In this section, he speaks directly against those around him with whom he disagrees the most, and his words are cutting. They are tough, and they are meant to convict us um, all for us to run to him to receive his mercy. They are this way because, as we'll see, Jesus' desire for us is that we will be protected as his followers— For those of you who truly know and follow Jesus, he loves you so much, he wants you to be aware of all that is taking place. He wants you to see the enemy that exists even inside of the church and to avoid them, but certainly to avoid becoming them. And though we might believe that those enemies are perhaps soldiers from a different country or people of a different political tribe... Uh, or those simply who are secular, or whatever else you might dare name, none of these groups receive the harsh words like this particular group. The people who receive Jesus' anger are those inside the church who do not acknowledge their own sin. Those who are actually not concerned about what's in their heart, but they're really concerned what's in everyone else's heart. That is, the people for whom Jesus offers no mercy here are the self-righteous amongst us this morning. And Jesus' words are, again, shocking. And as we will see, Jesus wants his true followers to see the danger of self-righteousness and to run to him for mercy. I want us to see that the most dangerous people here inside of this sanctuary today Are those who profess the name of Jesus with your mouth, but your heart is not connected to his heart? If you're not a Christian this morning, and you don't pretend to be a Christian this morning, you're not a threat. We're just glad that you're here, and we pray that you'll hear the truth of the good news of Christ. However, if you're the self-righteous here this morning, I pray that the Lord will, in fact, convict us all. I've entitled this sermon, uh, The Hypocrites in the Church. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? But my proposition for us is this. When the gospel of Jesus Christ invades our life, we will hate our own sin more than we care about anyone else's. That your self righteousness will be replaced with a love for Jesus and will be reminded of his righteousness. All right, so let's deal with this passage. Three points for us this morning. First, the identification of the self righteous. Secondly, the danger of the self-righteous. And then thirdly, the deliverance from the self-righteous. So the identification, the danger, and the deliverance. And my question for you as we begin this tough passage is simply this. How has Jesus changed your heart? Has he opened your eyes in such a way that you don't need to pretend that you're something that you're not? Are you so free in him that you don't need to hide behind a veneer of religion at all? All right, let's see. The identification of the self-righteous. All right, there are two terms here that we have to deal with and understand what's going on. These are to judge and a hypocrite. Words that we don't like to use very often at church, but we need to this morning. To judge means this. Jesus says not to do it, but he will give a twist. It means to give an opinion about that is to cast your opinion about another person, particularly about their spiritual condition, their sin, their conduct, their issues. That's what we're not to do. But then a hypocrite, this is somebody who pretends to be something that they are not. I think we all know what that is. It's someone who has a fake, who has a disguise. They're not really there, even though they're there. And Jesus uses both of these words to help us understand the reality of life inside of his kingdom. There's a strange thing which happens here in Jesus' sermon, and it's key to understanding this whole passage. In verse 1, he says, Judge not, lest you be judged. That is, do not give your opinion about others. But then in verse 6, he says, Don't give to dogs what is holy, and don't throw your pearls to pigs. You heard that correctly. It sounds like a contradiction. It sounds like Jesus just casted judgment. He's basically just said, don't judge people, you bunch of dogs. (laughs) That's actually what he's saying. Did Jesus contradict himself or is something else going on? Obviously, there's another message here. Here's the context, and it's important for us to understand what's taking place. Jesus is speaking to a large group of people who are his followers. But intermingled in that group are people who are curious about Jesus, but don't love him and don't love his message. They're curious about Jesus because Jesus is messing with them, and messing with their life, and they don't like it. Later in the Gospels, this particular group of people were, are called the Pharisees, and you're probably familiar with them. What you need to know about them was that they loved a religious lifestyle. But Jesus' words of repentance and sin did not register with them. In fact, they hated his words. So in this sermon, as Jesus is giving it to them, he has two groups of people in front of them, and he's preaching one message. He has his people, the true followers of Christ, those who are broken, who are desirous of him and his mercy. And then you got the religious people who are there paying attention to Jesus, but their motives are something else. And Jesus tells the religious people, do not judge. Don't talk about the speck of dust in someone else's eye when there is a log in your own eye. He is speaking to convict them of their wrong view of themselves. Preaching to confront them of their pride. That ultimately God will judge them based on their behavior and it will not end well for them. But then, with everyone listening to him, and don't miss this, he tells his true followers, don't give dogs what is holy or your pearls to pigs. What is he saying? It's here that Jesus draws a very clear distinction. To those who know him and are truly his disciples, he wants them to know you are surrounded with people who must be recognized Who must get the attention of everyone else, and you are to stay far away from them. He says, There are people here physically, but they are not here spiritually. This reality has been true throughout Old Testament Israel into the church, and it will continue until Christ returns. They hang around the church, but they're not there spiritually. That is, those who are here because they love religion and they like something about religion, but they do not care about their sin, so therefore they have no regard for the cross. And they are to be recognized as the lowest of the low, dogs and pigs. Now, side note, dogs in that day were not a a pet. They didn't like dogs. People were scared of dogs. As a dog guy, I'm sure if Jesus were giving the sermon today, he would have referred to cats, not dogs. But in that day, he's talking about dogs. How do you know a hypocrite when you see one? How do you know it if you are one? How do you identify those who are physically present with those whose hearts are not? Well, here's a non-religious hypocrite story. Some of you will appreciate this. Some of you will not. Last Saturday, the University of Tennessee was playing football against the University of Florida. The University of Kentucky, later in the day, played football against the University of Northern Illinois. The Tennessee game was at 3.30. The Kentucky game was at 7. I'm watching my volunteers all afternoon with a white shirt on that says Tennessee on it. Earlier that day, we were offered tickets to go later that night to the UK game, which we very much accepted and looked forward to. However, my game did not finish before the other game started, so we had to leave while I was still watching the Tennessee game. So Keaton, our son, drove our truck, and I watched my game on my phone, still wearing my white shirt that said Tennessee. I have a UK pullover that I'm going to put on as soon as I get out of the truck. I just haven't done it yet. Keaton pulls our truck into the blue light at UK, surrounded with a sea of Wildcats. I get out of the truck. My heart is pure. But within two seconds, some drunk, random UK fan looks at me and says, I hate Tennessee. I'm like, what did I do? I just got here. And then before I had a chance to catch my breath, he said it again. And to be perfectly honest, he didn't use those words, but that's what he meant. And I thought, I'm putting my UK shirt on as we speak. Can you just give me a second? And at that moment, the random, drunk UK fan made a very theologically astute identification. I was, by definition, a hypocrite. I was there physically, but my heart was somewhere else. So here at TCPC this morning, where is your heart? Is it here? Is it with the gospel of Jesus? I know of no better place to determine if you are self-righteous, if you are a Pharisee, if you are a hypocrite, than to consider the prodigal son parable in Luke chapter 15. I encourage you to read it later today. It's a story of two brothers and their father's love. The younger brother wasted everything in his life and pleaded with his father for forgiveness and mercy, and the father was delighted to have mercy upon him. The older brother, though, was dutifully working for his father his entire life. And yet, he only wanted the inheritance that would be his when his father was no more. He didn't enjoy being with his father. He just wanted the gifts that he thought he could get from his father. That's all of his labor. It was never about the father's love. All of his work, all of his devotion, all of his money, all of his effort— it was always about himself. He had the Father's love his whole life, but he didn't even want it. So let me ask you this morning Do you love hearing the weekly assurance of pardon as much as any position you may have in this church? If you gave of tithes and offerings this morning, do you think God loves you more than he loves anyone else? You see, the identification of the self-righteous is revealed by how we feel about our own sin and pride. Do you look at your sin with disgust, or are you disgusted by the sin of everyone else in order to feel good about yourself? See, the prayer this morning is that the Lord would open our eyes to see the severity of our own sin. So the first identification, if you will, is for the reality of will you pray and ask the Lord to show you the log that's in your own eye? But now, secondly, consider the danger of the self-righteous. We've seen the identity. Notice the danger. Look at verse 6. And I was struck by this reality all week as I prepared. It's frightening. Notice these pigs and dogs. They're not mere casual observers inside the kingdom. Rather, they are active, and they are vicious, and they are seeking to injure. It's easy for us to say it's bad to be self-righteous. We can even kind of make a joke of it, if you will. But Jesus' teaching here is not comical. He is warning his people to stay away from these prideful hypocrites because they will turn and attack you. They're dangerous. The Pharisees of that day, the spiritually proud people of today, are not just bad theologians, though they are. They totally miss God's grace. But again, notice the warning in verse 6. If you give pigs a pearl, or if you give dogs what is holy, the pig will crush it, and the dog will eat it, and then turn around and attack you. These are mean people. What on earth is Jesus saying here? Here's what it means. The holy, the pearl, that which is not to be given to them. This is the good news of Jesus and all that is true inside of his kingdom. It's his gospel. It's who he is. What is holy, what is valuable in this setting represents everything that belongs to To Jesus, everything. You might think, why would a self righteous hypocrite even care about Jesus and his kingdom? What's it to them? And that's the point. They despise everything about Jesus and his kingdom because if they followed him, they would be confronted with their sin and they want none of that. By definition, someone who thinks of themselves as holy. Apart from the blood of Jesus covering them, they are ultimately offended by everything that Jesus is about. Thus, they are opposed to him and want nothing to do with him. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father apart from me. The prideful say, give me a break. Look at all that I'm doing. Look at all that I've done. I'm not that bad. And these two positions cannot coexist. If you reject the one, you'll hate the other. And here's the danger. When hypocrites are given places of authority inside the church of Jesus, and they very much want those places of authority so that they can show their own power, their own intelligence, then the ethos and the message of Jesus is replaced by the intelligence of man who has created another gospel all together. And the church of Jesus Christ will become a place for prideful people, not broken ones. The church will be a place for the academic, not the desperate. It'll be a place for the wealthy only and not the poor. It'll be a place for the clean people, not the outsiders. It'll be a place for all those who have it all together, not for the honest. No more miracles, no more conversions, no more supernatural. Just religion. And the church, if led by people who are not broken over their own sin, is no longer a church. It's just a group. And if that happens, that is how we are attacked. You will be in a religious community without Jesus. Without his grace, without his word, without his promises, without his spirit. and That is a dreadful place to be And you see here, Jesus will have none of it. Compare Jesus' words here to these Pharisees and these hypocrites, to the words of the woman caught in adultery in the Gospel of John. Jesus gave her so much mercy, even in her sin, because she admitted her brokenness and came to him and sought help. And Jesus was quick to restore her. But to the proud and to the self-reliant who admit no need for help, no mercy is given. Just a warning to the church to stay away from them. Do you see the danger? The religious people use you to feel good about themselves. You are the comparison for their own egos. They need you. That's why they're here. It's reminded me. thinking about this and preparing one of the final scenes in the Harry Potter series, if you're familiar with that. Just after Harry had died, Hagrid was carrying Harry's body over the bridge back into Hogwarts and Voldemort, the epitome of self-righteousness and evil, announces to all the true followers of goodness, he says from now on you will put your faith in me now come forward and join us or die and the look on the faces of the students was sheer terror what their faces said is we can't follow him because there's no grace there's no mercy there's no love there's no justice there's no place for the commoners there's no hope for the future we can't follow him See, the self-righteous want to take Jesus' true words and replace him with themselves. They will focus on your sin, but they will not focus on their own. They will be teachers, but they will not love. They will be proud of their religious work, but they will have nothing to do with Jesus himself. Satan loves the self-righteous because they hate Jesus. They're dangerous. So we've seen the discovery of the hypocrites. They're the proud. We've seen the danger. They replace the gospel. Lastly, how are we delivered from all of this? How are we delivered from this potential disaster? What's the deliverance for the self righteous? How are we set free from them or set free from becoming them? Notice point three the deliverance of the self righteous. The answer to this question is seen throughout the text. And I would argue it's seen throughout all of scripture. We must turn to the one who does not judge the same way that we do. There is a judge who rules with justice. And he can look upon you and tell you the truth. And that truth is this. We're all guilty. All of us. Every one of us has the spirit of self righteousness inside of us. All of us have some element of the spirit of the Pharisees alive. Don't we all want to be recognized? Don't we all want a little bit of power? Don't we all want to be esteemed? Don't we all want to be thought of as being important? Don't we all want to compare and contrast and feel better about ourselves? Jesus is very clear in his word later in the Gospels about the leaven of the Pharisees, that which is there and how it can grow and spread. See, we don't judge each other because the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see every one of us has potential to be a full-blown, self-righteous pig according to the language of the text. The question is, Will you admit that today? Will you admit that it's true of you? Will you ask God to show you where the leaven of the Pharisees resides in your life? Will you pray this morning, oh Lord, show me the log that's in my eye? Lord, where is the hypocrisy in my life? You see, deliverance comes with honesty, That's the ethos of a true church of Christ. I love in John chapter 3, it's a story of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, one of their own, one of their leaders. He was as bad as they come. He was a full-on self-righteous man. He heard about Jesus' teaching. He saw his miracles, and he was convicted. He went to Jesus with honest questions And Jesus gave him very hard truth. And Nicodemus listened, and the Holy Spirit changed his heart. At the end of the Gospel of John, after Jesus had been crucified, there was Nicodemus caring for the body of Jesus, being identified with the Lord even when everyone else had left him. You see, there's good news for all of us. Jesus' mercy can extend all the way to the hypocrites. Jesus' mercy can extend all the way to the proud. When the proud come to Jesus and confess their need of him, he will show us his love. He will take us where we are and he will change us. He will heal us. He will care for us. He will make us all he wants us to be. So TCPC, let's trust him today. If a hypocrite is someone pretending to be something that he is not, if a hypocrite is someone out of place, then I ask you, what on earth was Jesus doing hanging from a cross? Surely he did not belong there. But understand this morning, he was no hypocrite. He was there physically, and he was there with all the right motives. He wanted you. He wants us. He wanted to be there. He wanted our shame. He wanted our punishment. He became the pride that's in our hearts so that we can be set free from it all. Our Savior is no hypocrite. So we turn to him, and he makes us all that he wants us to be. So church, I ask you this morning, let us together come to him and be set free by his grace. Let me pray for us now and I said he would nourish us around his communion table. Oh Jesus, we thank you that your mercy indeed is real. Your mercy for us extends past all of our sins to all of our sins. We can trust you. Oh Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for passages that are hard because it leads us back again to the cross and to see what you have achieved for us. We thank you now in Christ's name. Amen.